Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So the story of Christiane Boudreau has dragged on for more than a year now. She is stuck in France. She can't come back to Canada because the Canadian government refuses to um, reissue her passport. And there's some cockamamie excuse from the federal minister for public safety that it has to do with national security. She's a Canadian citizen. She should have the right to come back to this country. It was her son who was radicalized and joined ISIS and was killed in a firefight in 2014. Uh, Ms. Boudreaux has been fighting with parents of radicalized young people to help de-radicalize them. But somehow, the current government has decided she's not allowed back into Canada. Well, whatever happened to Justin Trudeau's a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. I was sort of like the $10.5 million check for Omar. Uh, email from uh, Tom. So glad you're back on CKNW West Coast. You're still the most fair and just media personality in the country. Good on you, Tom McCann. Tom, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes, we're back on CKNW Radio in Vancouver. So right across this country, the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Tomorrow I'll ask you about whether what your thinking is about um, Christiane Boudreau and returning to Canada. I'll play back the interview, and I'll ask you what you think about her returning to this country. So much going on. Oh, yeah, there was this uh, O.J. Simpson. Did you watch Simpson? Apparently the ratings weren't great on the parole hearing. I watched some of it, and I thought, this guy's just as arrogant and as cocky as he ever was. When he said to the parole board members, oh, yeah, well, I, I, I'll be going to Florida because I don't think you want me uh, living in Nevada, ha, ha, ha. And he also kept saying that he'd done nothing wrong, that he was a good person. He's never hurt anybody in his whole life. Man's a sociopath, in, in my opinion. Gloria Allred represented the family of Nicole Brown Simpson during the criminal murder case against O.J. Simpson. She's one of the foremost lawyers in the United States, human rights lawyer in California, as you know. And Ms. Allred is very generous with her time uh, for us on this program. Ms. Allred, thank you for the time. And as you were watching this parole hearing, what was going through your mind? Well, so much, Roy. And, of course, the parole board was faced with deciding if Mr. Simpson should be granted parole after he was convicted of numerous felonies, including conspiracy to commit kidnapping, conspiracy to commit robbery, burglary with a deadly weapon, uh, assault with a deadly weapon, coercion with a deadly weapon, so many crimes, and Simpson had been sentenced to 9 to 33 years for those crimes. He'd been incarcerated for approximately 9 years, and in deciding if this convicted felon, Mr. Simpson, should be granted parole, the 
the, the board considered a number of specific aggravating and mitigating factors, but unfortunately none of those factors allowed into consideration, I think, an important part of Mr. Simpson's prior legal history. For example, in 1989, when Simpson entered a plea of no contest, which is tantamount to a guilty plea, to misdemeanor spousal battery of his wife, Nicole Brown Simpson. And a photo, by the way, of Nicole was displayed at the civil trial against Mr. Simpson that shows her with a cut lip, a swollen face, blackened eye, bruises, and a welt over her right eye, injuries that she had allegedly incurred as a result of the 1989 spousal battery crime for which Simpson was convicted and sentenced. But unfortunately, that crime of violence against Nicole could not be considered under the law as it exists in Nevada. And so I say the law should be changed to include convictions of violence against women, even misdemeanors, as factors that should be able to be considered by the Nevada Parole Board. And then also, Roy, in 1997, a civil jury returned a verdict that Mr. Simpson was liable for the deaths of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. And that civil jury decided that there was clear and convincing evidence that Simpson should pay damages of $33 million, $25 million of which was for punitive damages. Now, punitive damages are awarded when a jury finds that the defendant has engaged in conduct that is shocking to the conscience of the community. But under Nevada law, this jury verdict and judgment of the court cannot be considered. So the law should be changed to include such a civil judgment in a wrongful death case if punitive damages are awarded, because that type of judgment is a strong statement by a jury acting as the conscience of the community. And I think that risk of harm to the community should always be a factor that a parole board can consider. And if that board had been able to consider the full legal record of Mr. Simpson, I think they might have found that releasing him could present a risk of harm to the community. But Instead, they were forced to consider only a legal fiction and only part of the record. So this is unfortunate. It's harmful to victims' rights, and I believe it's harmful to the safety of the community. Well, as I was listening to him uh, speak, and again, he sounded so cocky, but he was saying that he'd never been involved in a in a criminal act. He was a, he was a, a good man. He'd never used a firearm. He'd never used a knife. He was specific about not having used a knife. In, in any crime, and I kept wondering, why don't they call him on this? And, and they couldn't then, I take it. Well, that's a key question. I, I don't know that they couldn't, because, I mean, there was no, almost no cross-examination of him. It was as though they were reading off the script for the questions they were supposed to ask and weren't listening to his answers, or if they were listening to his answers, weren't challenging them. I have the exact quote, because I was writing it down as I was watching, and uh, Mr. Simpson said, no one has ever accused me of pulling any weapon on them. Well, of course, the civil jury, again, in the lawsuit on behalf of the estate of Nicole Brown Simpson and the estate of Ronald Goldman, found that he did kill Nicole and Ron. He used a knife to do that. Well, maybe Nicole herself couldn't accuse him. Maybe Ron Gold couldn't accu- Goldman couldn't accuse him because he killed them. Uh, so, but, uh, but clearly a jury found that he did use a weapon that's a deadly weapon on them. And so he, he said, intri- I basically lived a, quote, conflict-free life. Yeah. Well, how's a conflict-free life 
if he beat up Nicole and we saw the photos of her bruises, we heard her voice on the 911 tape. How's that conflict-free? Well, police were accustomed to going to that house. At the time when they were called, because they'd been called before because he had beaten up his wife. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something that they'd never they'd never been called to that house in Los Angeles. But it sounded to me then, by, from what you're telling me, that O.J. Simpson, in fact, opened the door for the parole board to re- directly refute what he'd said, and they didn't. Well, what, yeah, and what's the point of asking him questions? If they're going to ignore his answers, it makes no sense at all. No, it doesn't. No, and by the way, it didn't appear that he was under oath. So why is he not under oath? If they're asking questions, don't they want a truthful answer? And shouldn't he be accountable for whether or not he gave a truthful answer? And you're talking about a convicted felon, convicted of a violent act, and he's now being considered for release into the community. So he should be under oath. His words are suspect in the first place because he is a convicted felon. What? How would you describe his attitude now, vis-a-vis when you saw him in the 90s when he was standing trial for the murder of Nicole and, and Ron Brown? I don't Goldman. think that anything has changed. I mean, this was a charm offensive uh, in the parole board, and he's always been, you know, a, a court coming across as Mr. Charming. Uh, but what does that mean? Uh, you know, that does, is, is that more important than the actual evidence that's been introduced against him at a trial? I don't think so. And then someone said, oh, he came across so well. He's an actor, okay? He gets a pension from the Screen Actors Guild as well as the NFL. So what do you expect? He said nine years to rehearse? Well, yeah, and, you know, he took the so-called anger management class. Really? Well, I hope, you know, remember at one point uh, there was a lawsuit against him for road rage. So let's see if he's done this uh, complete transformation. Uh, we'll find more about that as when he gets out of prison. Ms. Allred, we heard he was a model prisoner. He's now a senior citizen and served more time than is usual. This is what we heard for the crime that he was convicted of. And an entire generation has grown up not knowing personally of the O.J. Simpson murder trial, only vaguely having heard about O.J. Simpson, the football star. And it's also a societal climate where a black man incarcerated is often seen as a victim of a white-run justice and penal system. For many younger people, O.J. Simpson may be the victim of decades of racial bias. Do you think that could have come into play anywhere? You know, it's really interesting that, you know, there's so much emphasis on, oh, well, was this racist, was this not racist? Very little discussion of gender violence. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very disturbing to me. Um, I saw, actually, a television show on CNN the other night, and it was all about, well, race, does it affect that? And there was not one word about, okay, well, what about gender violence? Again, women are being treated as though they don't matter, or, um, the, you know, the issue, gender violence is not an issue in this case. Look, the ultimate gender violence is killing a significant other, a wife, an ex-wife, an intimate partner. There can be no greater violence than that. Why isn't that important? Well, the most surprised man in that courtroom in, uh, what was it, 94? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The most surprised man was O.J. Simpson when the not guilty verdicts came down. Yeah, well, Johnny Cochran looked pretty surprised yeah, as I well. See, yeah, yeah. And, and Robert Kardashian, 
also looked very, very shocked and surprised, right. even more so than Johnny did. Do you have a few more minutes that we could yeah. uh, take? Okay. We'll put Roy, you on. Of course. Oh, thank you so much. I'll put you on hold. We're going to come back and talk some more about O.J. Simpson. And I have a few questions about Bill Cosby as well. As you know, Ms. Allred, uh, one of her clients, did in fact testify at the uh, trial of Bill Cosby, the, the uh, hung jury trial. We'll come right back. You mess with the you bull, mess with the bull. You, get the horns. you get the horns. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You know, we've been speaking to the uh, sister and cousin of um, one of the two Canadians who was abducted and tortured and beheaded by Abu Sayyaf, the uh, terrorist group in the Philippines. Well, tomorrow, Bernice Thomas and Gord Bibby are going to be back with us, sister and uh, brother, respectively. And... um. We're going to be speaking with an Australian who was also kidnapped and threatened with beheading by uh, Abu Sayyaf. He spent 47, uh, 472 days in captivity um, of Abu Sayyaf before the Australian government, which had been quietly working behind the scenes, got him out. Warren Rodwell is his name. And he's going to be speaking with Bernice Thomas and with um, Gord Bibby. And we're going to have uh, the author who wrote uh, the book about um, Mr. Ridsdell, I'm not sorry, Mr. Rodwell joining us anyway. It's going to be quite a segment tomorrow on the program. So back with Gloria Allred, uh, who's talking to us about O.J. Simpson, and he's getting his parole in 1st of October. He should be out. Ms. Allred, I find it quite, uh, I don't know, prophetic in a way or strange in a way that in the same year that O.J. Simpson receives his parole, Ford reintroduces the Bronco. <laughs> Something strange about that. Very interesting. What do you expect is going to happen to him? He's still, he's, he's still required to pay back $33 million, is he not? Well, he is, and apparently uh, the uh, Golden family is going to go after him for that money that he owes them. The problem is, under the law in the United States, pensions are protected. And a major source of his income is that National Football League pension and also the Screen Actors Guild pension. And I'm not sure if he has other pensions, money coming in. That, he can't, that can't be gotten to to satisfy a judgment. Now, for example, if he would sell his autographs, uh, or, you know, write a book or whatever else he's planning to do, you know, go do some reality television show where he would earn an income, that money also uh, could be attached. Um, there's talk today that someone, uh, that someone who has a statue of him would like to give him back that statue. And, of course, if he has it and then tries to sell it, any income he would receive from the statue of himself could be, uh, you know, could be obtained uh, through legal means by the Goldmans to satisfy their judgment. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you one uh, one quick question about Bill Cosby. 
What's been the most recent development as far as he's concerned? You you had an opportunity to either quiz him or see him, did you not? Well, we took his first deposition in our civil case, um, and then we have a, an order to compel him to appear for a second deposition. We now have a trial date of next July for our civil case, which is brought, of course, on behalf of uh, Judy Hutt, who alleges in her lawsuit that she was 15 years old, when she became the victim of sexual misconduct by Mr. Cosby at the Playboy Mansion. That's an allegation uh, of child sexual abuse. We take it very seriously. Um, but uh, having said that, uh, the ne- you know, we will have to wait to take his second deposition, his testimony under oath, until the criminal case, the second criminal case is resolved. That second trial is set for November 6th. I'm reading, and I haven't had an opportunity to confirm it, but there are stories on the Internet that his lead criminal defense attorney, Brian McConnell, uh, is, not, is, is, is quitting the case, that he's no longer going to continue to be the attorney for the criminal case, the second criminal case. There was a deadlock, a mistrial in the first case. Um, and the stories online, again, I don't know if they're true, are that he's very unhappy with the publicists who did things like, um, you know, during the deliberations of the jury, the publicist went out uh, and said, uh, you know, said things like, oh, the jury should just go home. They've seen enough. They're probably tired. They should stop deliberating. Well, that's not appropriate. The, you know, the defense, Mr. Cosby doesn't get to decide when the jury has had enough and should stop deliberating. And I made that point during the trial, that that's, A, very disrespectful of the jury, too, B, how would they even know the jury's tired? They weren't, they're not able to speak with the jury or be inside the jury room, nor are the jurors allowed to communicate with anyone outside of the jury room about what their deliberations are. So it's complete. Maybe they were afraid that there might be a conviction, so they just wanted the jury to leave. I don't know. But, apparent, but according to the reports online, that was very disturbing to the defense attorney which, well, it should have been, because he knows it's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the publicists, after the deadlock, after the mistrial, they went on television and said that Mr. Cosby was going to do some kind of sexual assault tour where he goes around oh, the country that, and yeah. gives yeah. speeches. You know, it appeared from reports that he was going to do, you know, try to tell people, married men and others, uh, about how they could somehow not be accused of sexual assault. What right. was that all about? I don't know. don't know. I said, look, if he does that, wherever he's going to be, be careful what you wish for, Mr. Cosby, because if you do that, yeah. I'll be there in whatever cities you're going to be in. Ms. Allred. Uh, Ms. Ms. Allred. said not happening. He's not going okay. to do that. Thank you so much for the time. You know what uh, heartbreak is, and we just hit one. Okay. Thanks. Great. Anytime. Thank you, Roy. Bye-bye. Gloria Allred on the Green Show on the Coros Radio Network.